Good morning. You know, sometimes you might remember that show, Name That Tune. And they used to say, I can name that tune in one note, right? Or two notes. That's really tough. Or three notes or whatever it is. But it's nice when you can recognize a hymn. And we know that one as the Lord's Prayer. The model prayer, the prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. And the principles in that are what we should pray. It's not that we should repeat it out of rote, like many churches do. They stand up, they repeat it. They stand up and repeat it. They don't even know what it means. But when we take the principles of that prayer and pray and really trust God for his will in our lives to give us what we need, he will do it and he will be glorified. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for Gloria. We thank you for this hymn she played this morning. We thank you for her wonderful ministry at the piano. We thank you for Randy also and how we have such music in our church and choirs, the adult choir, the kids choir, the youth choir, Lord. And we have beautiful music in a small church and we give you all the glory and praise. And we thank you for it, Lord. And now as we come before you to look into your word, we pray, Lord, that we will humbly receive it and apply it in our lives and obey it. And we pray that these words will not be my words today, but your words through me. And Lord, that you will be powerful and by the Holy Spirit touch our lives. And so we commit this time to you. Pray that you'll hide me behind the cross and just pray that you will be glorified today. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the National Football League. On Thursday night, they had their opening night. And you're going to see a lot of new players and new faces that come into the into the National Football League. Many of these young players come out of college. So much promise, so much potential. Some of them don't make the cut, though. They don't make the cut. They are not on the squad this year. They play on what's called a practice squad sometimes. But there's new players. And one of the things that a new player has to learn right away as a rookie, is they're they're a rookie. This is their first year. There's players playing in the league that are all pros. They've been there for years. They're fantastic players. And if that rookie comes in, thinks they know all the answers, thinks they've got this, right? They can play with these. They're going to be run over. They're going to be run over. They're not going to make it. But if they come in with an attitude of, I want to learn, I want to be like that all-pro player. I want to be like that veteran player. I want to learn from that player so I can be the best that I can be. And that's the way it is in the Christian life, too. As we get saved and give our lives to Christ, we want to pattern our lives after the older, more mature believers and leaders in our church. And we want to say, Lord, help me to develop this, the, the patterns in my Christian walk, in my life that they have, that they have spent years with the Lord, learning and growing. And that's what I want for my life. And, you know, if you have this aspiration in your life, your goal in life is to imitate Christ. That's the goal. That's the key goal for every believer is to imitate Christ. It's the highest aspiration we can have as believers. And today we're going to look at the subject of imitating Christ. And it's amazing. The Apostle Paul could write these words to the Christians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, when he says this. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 
How many of us would dare to say that? Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a heavy burden, Paul. That's a heavy thing. And Paul wasn't speaking out of pride, like, yeah, come and follow me. I'm the greatest apostle of all. And come and follow me and be like me and do everything like me. That's not what he's saying at all. But he says, as you see Christ in me, as you see me living for Christ and serving Christ and preaching the gospel and teaching the word, follow that example. Imitate me in that. And Paul was talking there in the context in 1 Corinthians 10 at the last couple of verses of that chapter about the very subject of how we should be living for others and how we should do that. And it's interesting because on Wednesday night, Adel was talking about the mind of Christ and how we should follow that. And I'm listening to this and listening to that. And I said, you stole part of my message. You know, I get accused of this myself that I stole his message sometime and you hear it all the time. But each message is different. And it's not a same repeat of Wednesday night. It just has similarities and it has things that are very similar. The word imitate, though, in the Webster's New Dictionary can be defined as to seek to follow the example of, to take as one's model or pattern, to act the same as, to impersonate, to mimic. It's interesting when you read the word imitate in the New Testament, it's the Greek word mimeomai. And mimeomai means a mimic or an actor. For those of you that have heard about the new movie, and I want to see it so bad, it's about the story of De La Salle High School. And it is a fantastic story of a coach, Bob Lauderser, and a system that he built to teach the kids that winning is not the most important thing. It is playing your best, playing as a team, and going out. And as you will see in that story, the story of the team, they played teams that were faster, that were bigger, and that were better than them. But they won because they played as a unit. They played together. They bought into the system of doing it. So when Bob Lauderser retired, I thought, boy, De La Salle's going to be gone. Now they're going to right down the drain because that coach was great. He had the system. But guess what? They have kept the system going through the new coaches, because the new coaches are the ones that were still there and they're still winning and they're still doing it. And we'll see how they progress in the future. But we're going to look today of how we want to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to imitate the godly leaders who are imitating Christ. And we ourselves need to be those who others want to imitate. We want to be godly examples too. So that's our outline. And so our outline today is, first of all, we're going to see that in order to imitate Christ, the very first thing that has to happen, we have to be saved. You can't be an imitator of Christ and have those principles and practice them if you don't know the Lord as your Savior. So that's the number one thing. We have to be saved. Number two, we have to be an imitator of Christ by following his example and the example of godly leaders. And third, we need to be an example to others that they will want to follow as well. You know, it's amazing. Can you imagine if you were alive on the earth when the Lord Jesus Christ was here? Wouldn't you have wanted to go and hear every message, everything he had to say, see every miracle that he did? Wouldn't you want to be there for every blessing that was poured out from Christ? I think we each one would say, yes, we would like to be there. 
And today we're going to see that in order to imitate Christ, you have to be saved. And the Bible puts a, a roadmap, in the, especially in the book of Romans. It's really interesting. There's a roadmap there telling us how we can be saved. And the first thing it tells us about is that we're all sinners and we need to be saved. We can't live up to God's holy and perfect standards. No one can. Not Paul. Nobody. Nobody can. Only Jesus Christ was perfect. Only he was sinless. Only he could go to the cross and die for our sins. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, that means me and all of us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has made salvation possible for each and every one of us. But there's a caveat to it. We have to accept it. We have to accept the free gift. We have to believe in Jesus and take him into our heart. And then when we do that, we're saved and God forgives us. And then he looks at us through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and sees that we're perfect in him only through the cross. In Romans 10 and verse nine, it says, if we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You have God's word on it. You have his promise. If you accept him, he will save you. He will not turn you away. He will say, I will forgive you. I will wash away your sins. And all those things you did in your life previous, it's, it's all forgiven. And if we ever remember it, God says, I don't remember it. It's gone. It's forgiven. And the devil reminds us of it all the time, of our past sins and things. But we know they're under the blood. And in John 1.12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. He gives us that right, that privilege. You know, you grow up sometimes in the church, and some people think because they grow up in the church or born in the church that they're saved. No, you have to make a personal decision for Christ. Some people think, well, I grew up in the United States. It's a Christian country, so that makes me a Christian. No, it doesn't make you a Christian. You have to personally receive Christ in order to be a Christian, to be a believer. I like that fact that in the book of Acts, it tells us that the, the believers in Christ were first called Christians in Antioch. A Christian is a follower of Christ, one who imitates Christ, one who lives his life for Christ. And when we're saved, that's the desire he gives us is to live for him. And we begin an eternal relationship with the Savior that starts now and will go through all eternity. And that's an amazing thing. Mark was mentioning that at the breaking of bread. And we have that personal relationship with the Lord and we can pray to him 24-7 and he hears us and he listens to our prayers and he answers our prayer. And so it's a it's a wonderful thing to pattern our lives after the Lord. It's a great inspiration. You know, I was saddened when we heard about the passing of uh, Robin Williams recently, the comedian. And I didn't know, I never really thought about it, but he's a Bay Area person. He lived in Marin County and he went into San Francisco and it says that he would go in to the comedy clubs and he would show up just off the cuff. They didn't know he was coming. He mingled with the people. He'd give his comedy routine. He felt he was right down on their level. And it's amazing when we imitate Christ, he wants us to be that way. When he came down from heaven, he mingled among the people. In fact, the Pharisees, they say, look, he eats and drinks with sinners. 
Yes, he did, because he loves sinners. He loves you. He loves me. He wants to save us. So he comes down to where our level is. But he didn't sin. He didn't go to their level to sin. He went to their level to bring them to himself. And as Christians, there's a fine line for that. We have to be separated from the world and we also have to win people to Christ. But we don't want to go down into their level and do what they do in the name of winning them to Christ. We want to keep separated and we want to show them the example of receiving Christ and living for Christ in this world. So there is. There's a difference between that. Someone once said, no one can follow until he has found Christ. No one can imitate Christ until he has known him as Redeemer. And so that is what we have to do. So many people, though, that are unsaved, they don't know the Lord. They think, well, I'll just keep the golden rule, right? I'll just keep the golden rule. And if I keep that golden rule, I'll get to heaven. No, it won't work. Because Jesus didn't say that's how you get saved. He said, unless you're born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. We have to be born again. We have to then be transformed by him. And then we can imitate him. The Apostle Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And what an unlikely thing it was, wasn't it? Paul was, before he was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. And he had learned under one of the greatest teachers of Judaism named Gamaliel. And Gamaliel taught him everything he knew. And then Paul, as he was called with Saul in those days, took it to another level and he was so zealous and he thought he was doing God's will by persecuting the church, by putting Christians in prison, by even killing Christians. And he was so zealous and he was on his way to Damascus with letters in hand to take back the Christians and punish them. And all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him in a great light from heaven, knocked him right off of his horse and spoke to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And he says, well, what should I do, Lord? And he says, go and it will be shown you what you shall do. He went into Damascus. We know the rest of the story. He was saved. He was baptized. And it was such a blessing by the name of a man named Ananias was with him there. And he went on to become one of the greatest, if not the greatest, I believe he was the greatest apostle, missionary, evangelist, teacher, pastor, leader, put it all there. That was Paul. And Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And of course, he's not saying imitate me under the old No, not don't imitate the old Saul. Don't imitate the old Dean. Don't imitate the old Joshua, whoever we're talking about. Imitate the new. Imitate the new. And so Paul would say, imitate me. Imitate me just as I am imitating Christ. Bill McDonald said this. He said, Paul had been speaking in this book of 1 Corinthians of how he tried to gauge all of his actions In the light of their effect on others, now he tells the Corinthians to imitate him just as he also copied Christ. He renounced personal advantages and rights in order to help those about him. And isn't that what we've been studying in Philippians chapter 2? Exactly that. We renounce our own self. We deny our own self in order to benefit others. And one of the Christians was reminding me the other day of that little, little word joy. And it's so true. Joy, Jesus first. Oh, 
others second. Why? Yourself last. That's how you really have joy in life, when you imitate Christ. And that's how he lived his life. He had that joy. He put the Father first in everything, the Father's will. And that's how we should live. We should live like Christ. And we should think, my actions, my words have a power to them to influence people either for good or for bad. And if we pattern our lives after Christ, it will be for the good. You know, when Paul was speaking before the Jewish leaders and all the people that he was speaking to in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, it says, This being so, I myself also strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and toward men. What a statement that was. Paul lived his life so that he would be pleasing to the Lord first. And then he would be a benefit and a blessing to others second. He says, I strive to have that conscience that is void of offense toward God and men. That's a heavy burden, Paul. Isn't, you know, we get to heaven, we're going to say, Paul, when you wrote those words there in 1 Corinthians 1.11, wasn't that a heavy burden? Wasn't that hard to do? To, to, to put yourself in that position where you tell people to imitate you? He'd say this, yes, it was, but the Lord gave me strength and my heart's desire were those Christians to walk, to walk in the ways of Christ. And I was inspiring them and I was encouraging them. And that's why I really thank God for our leaders in our church, because they're an inspiration to me. They're an inspiration to us. They encourage us to keep on going, keep on walking, keep on imitating Christ in our lives. And then we can be so blessed and so encouraged. And we have godly examples in our church. And Paul also said some similar words in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 15 and 16. Again, he uses the same word imitate. And he says, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. You know, you can have 10,000 instructors, 10,000 teachers, but if you have one that takes you under his or her wing, isn't that better than having 10,000 of others that just, just teach you? Because the one who takes you under their wing not only teaches you, but shows you how to do it. It's like you can give a person a fish and say, here, eat this fish, or you can teach them how to fish so they can fish for themselves. And that's what our leaders do. They don't just feed us the fish, feed us the word, feed us the truth, which is great. They do it. But they also teach us how to fish for ourselves so that we can feed ourselves spiritually, so we can grow spiritually, so we can be more like Christ. So they're not putting us on the training, having us with a training wheels on. They said, take the training wheels off. You're on your own. But remember to obey the, the Lord, obey the counsel. And go on to grow in the Lord. Yes, we have great leaders. And I can say this. Adel and Sylvia have set the bar very high. Over the years, they have been a godly example to us. And they could really say the same as Paul. I believe it in my heart. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We even had that. Heather even put that on one of the birthday uh, celebrations we had for them not long ago. And it's so true. 
The Amplified Version puts it in a very wonderful way. It says, pattern yourselves after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ, the Messiah. Yeah, we all need a pattern in life. We all need somebody to follow. We need a guide. We need a mentor. We need an example of how to walk and how to serve and how to live for Christ. And I thank God for the elders we have. We have Bill. We have Mike. We have Adel. We have Sylvia with the women's ministry. And we look up to them and we find in their lives what we want to follow and we follow it. And when we do that, we're blessed. We really are blessed. Another reference to this imitation is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, where it says this. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Is it possible? And I just ask you this question and I ask it to myself. Is it possible for us as we grow in our faith to sometimes become a little sluggish? I think it's possible. Possible. Happen. Or become a little lazy in spending time in the word, time in prayer and time in serving the Lord. Let things in the world kind of squeeze. And we don't want to do that. We want to follow fully to the end the Lord Jesus Christ, and imitate his way of living. You know, if you were to follow the day in the life of Jesus Christ, if we were there, right, and we could follow him along, it started early, early in the morning before the sun even came up. He was up praying to the Father. And then all through the day, he was doing miracles, he was preaching and teaching, he was healing, and he never turned anybody away. And then late at night, into the night, his schedule was so busy. I mean, we think we have busy schedule. The schedule of Christ makes our schedule look like a cream puff schedule. That it's nothing compared, right? How many of us would live that kind of life? But Bill will remember when we went to the intern program, right, Bill? When they told us about the 30-hour day, you remember? <laughs> 30-hour day. Well, I thought, well, there was only 24 hours when I was studying math, right? There's only 24 hours in a day. But anybody tells you the 30-hour day, they're trying to fit more in your day that you can fit. And that was the way the intern program was. There were times that I was up late, 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 and up early, early, and it was a busy schedule. But you know what? If we want to be busy now for the kingdom... Later on, we're going to think, I wish I did more. I wish I'd done more for the Lord. Why did I think I was tired? Why did I think I couldn't do it? And the Lord wants us to imitate his example. We want to imitate the humility of Christ. There's no room for pride. We want to imitate the faithfulness of Christ. We want to be faithful to him. We want to imitate the love of Christ. People see the love and are drawn to the love more than anything else. We want to have the patience of Christ. And some people really Test our patience. It might be somebody at work, might be a neighbor, might be a friend. They really test your patience. Well, Christ had patience and he teaches us all these wonderful characteristics. And you know what? The father has a goal for you. He has a goal for me. And that ultimate goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're in the process. We're a work in progress. I haven't arrived. I dare say you haven't arrived either. 
None of us are perfect, but we're growing in faith and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're becoming more like him until that day when he takes us home to heaven and we stand before him face to face as we sang in that hymn this morning. And we say face to face with Christ, my savior. And it says we will be like him because we're going to see him face to face. We're not going to be like him in his deity. We're not going to be like him in his perf- in in his power over the whole universe and all of these things, but we're going to be morally like our savior. All sin will be behind us then and we will be so thankful when we enter heaven. So that's the challenge today. That's the challenge. First of all, to imitate Christ you have to be saved first. You can't do it any other way. And secondly, in order to imitate Christ, you have to look at the examples, the godly examples around you as well. We read it in the sacred pages of Scripture and we see it practiced by the brothers and sisters and it encourages us. That's why I can't encourage people enough. Don't say I'm tired on Monday night. Don't say I'm tired on Wednesday night. Come, you will be blessed. I never forget Bill. Bill spent a lot of hours on the road. I never drove as much as Bill. I think Bill drove more in his career than I ever uh, driving in your job, right? Than I'll ever drive in my whole life put together. I, I won't. But he did. And he used to be tired, but he came to the meetings and he got such encouragement and gets built up. And I never failed to see that either, because when I come, I'm not I'm tired sometimes, too. And and the Lord encourages us as we get together and pray and study the word and and see what others are going through, because we relate to each other. If I know that Shauna's going through that, then I can say I can get through it, too. And I know what Mike's going through and I know what different people are going through. And Sally with the burden and trials and all the things we go through. And then. When all that has taken place, then we can be an example to others. You know, we think, how am I going to be an example? I mean, I'm just an average Joe, just a just a one person. How can I be an example? The Lord says you can, you will and you should. That's the challenge. He wants us to be an example. And you might say, who can I be an example to? There's a lot of people around us that are watching us without us even knowing it. They don't say anything, but they watch us. They say, Dean says he's a Christian. I'm going to see how he talks on the phone. I'm going to see how he relates to his fellow co-workers and his boss and what he says and what he does. Does it match up with with Christ? And it's a challenge, yes. But it's like a two-sided coin. On one side, we follow and imitate Christ. We follow his example On the other side of the coin, we say now that we're following Christ's example, Lord, let me be an example to others in humility, not proud or thinking, you know, I no, not at all, but be an example. And even you young people, you're out in school and you're going to school. We have like five of them now that have gone to the Berean high school and they're. They're going and we have some that are starting college and you're going to these college campuses and you can be an example there. You can be an example. Paul told Timothy, who was a young man at that time, these words in first Timothy four and verse 12. He said, let no one look down on your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, in faith and in purity. Be an example of the believers and to the believers. It's a challenge. I'm not saying it's not a challenge. Thomas Morell once said the first great gift we can bestow on others is a good example. Being a good example. 
So many times you hear that expression, don't do as I say. I mean, do as I say, don't do as I do. What's wrong with this picture, right? If I'm going to tell you to do something, wouldn't you expect me to do it too? Yes. And if we're going to be an example of Christ, we have to live it. We have to live it every day. We have to show that example. And it's not easy. I used this uh, quotation one time years ago, but it's so true. Charles Spurgeon once said, a man's life is always more forcible than his speech. In other words, what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. He said, when men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. <laughs> Your deeds that you do. Dollars. And a dollar is worth more than a penny. Your words like pennies. So he really puts it in the way that we can understand. He said, if, if his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept the practice and reject his preaching. That's sad when that happens. You've got to practice what you preach. And so many times we hear about this preacher. We heard it years ago. Famous preacher on TV, preaching the gospel, preaching the word. And all of a sudden, they had some sin in their life. And now they're off the air and maybe even put into jail and into prison. It brings shame to the cause of Christ. And so we have to live the example, not just in word, but in deed, in action. That's what people want to see. They want to see action. And that's what happened to them. And we all have them. We have friends and family members, neighbors and co-workers, and they want to see the sermon. They want to see Christ. They don't want to just hear about it. They want to see it in, in action. And when the Apostle John wrote his little letter, Third John, it's very short. There's only one chapter. He wrote and he mentioned about being an imitator and he talks about it this way. It says in, first, in Third John 11 and 12, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. And in that little epistle, he talks about two individuals, two men. Both of their names start with D. One was Diotrephes and the other was Demetrius. Diotrephes was a leader in the church, but his ways were not good. He practiced evil. He was hard on the Christians. He didn't let them talk, didn't let the missionaries come. He didn't let people speak in the church. He monopolized everything. He, he didn't live uh, Christ. He wasn't imitating Christ. And so John had to mention, don't follow that example of Diotrephes, but instead follow the good example of Demetrius. It says he had a good testimony and even from all and even from the truth itself. So as we close the message today, let's remember this. In order to imitate Christ, what's the first thing that has to happen? You have to be saved. You can't imitate Christ. It's like Gandhi said, he said, which kind of goes along with the message. Gandhi once said, give me your Christ, but don't give me your Christianity. You know, take away your Christianity. I don't want to hear about your Christianity, but give me your Christ. In other words, Christ, who is real and sincere, and the Christian's, that weren't living up to it. The people that profess the name of Christ that weren't. So people want to see it. And we have to be saved first in order to have the power of the Holy Spirit to live for him in this world. And, and the power of the Spirit is needed. Secondly, we need to imitate godly leaders, godly examples, godly people as they imitate Christ. It's a huge burden to carry. They carry it. 
and they live the example of Christ before us. And we all want to imitate Christ in every way. A few years ago, they came up with that little expression, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And that's good to think about it. What would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he live his life? And we should pattern ourselves that way. And that is a blessing. And finally, not only do the godly and the elders and the men and women of God have that example for us, but we have to be an example too. We have to do, be an example. We can't be like Charles Barkley years ago when he says, I ain't no role model. That's what he said. I ain't no role model. He didn't want to, don't put me on a pedestal. I ain't no role model. Well, guess what, Charles? You were a role model, but maybe not the best, right? And I like the people that don't shy away from it, but they realize that they are a role model in the way they live. You see some of these football players, they're humble and they get up before the microphone. You say, you know, we were fortunate to win the game tonight and we all work together as a team. And my teammates really helped me through this. When you hear a person like that, you say, that's great. And that's the way the Christian life is. And we want to imitate. We want to imitate Paul. We want to imitate all the believers that walked with God. And we want to imitate Christ in our life. And we want to be that example for people. We want to be like Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. We want to live for the one who died for us on the cross. And if there's anyone here that has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, don't leave the doors, don't leave the building until you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Accept him, the one who died for you, as your Lord and Savior. Be born again and know that then you can live for him for the rest of your life and for eternity. Shall we just close in prayer? Father, we're so challenged today by this subject of imitating Christ. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to be godly examples to those around us and help us to look up to the godly examples that we have and help us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. We know we're not going to be perfect, Lord. We are going to stumble. We're going to fail sometimes. But we pray that our heart's desire will be fulfilled to live like Jesus, to live for him, the one who died for us. And we pray now, Lord, that you will take this word and impress it deep into our hearts so that we can meditate on it and be more like our Savior until that day when we see him face to face. We just thank you and praise you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.